Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, Packers Eve, as it were, Thanksgiving Eve. Yep. Exciting Um, times lie ahead, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully exciting. Could be good or bad. (laughs) Dad, the plus is, so as we already said, we are here. Wednesday night is when we're recording this, so hopefully you'll have a chance Thursday morning before the game to give this a listen really quick. We are here to preview tomorrow Thanksgiving's game, Packers-Lions. The good news is, Dad, Packers win. You get to celebrate by just stuffing yourself with food. Packers lose. You get to drown your sorrows by just stuffing yourself with food. We got a bit of a win-win. Like, yeah, right. You could go to a turkey coma. Um, yeah. If the Packers lose, and forget about it for for just a little while. Forget about it. Just keep bringing me pie until I until I'm not upset about the game anymore. If they lose, keep bringing me celebratory pie if they win. But this is what's going on. Packers are playing the Lions tomorrow morning or afternoon, wherever you end up be, uh, residing, depending on time zones. Rematch of their Thursday night game from earlier in the year, where the Lions. Uh, yeah. How how often do teams have two Thursday night meetings in the same year? Not often, I would imagine, but this, this is, is going to be another... Str- that was a very uh, peculiar scheduling quirk. Yes, a definitely a peculiar scheduling quirk, <laughs> we will say. And definitely a chance for revenge for the Packers, although it's going to be tough in this one. But we'll be previewing everything coming up. But before we do, just a couple pieces of, you know, some line items to read off. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. Uh, We tweet out articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, uh, pieces of Packers video analysis, stats we find interesting whenever we have new episodes, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can also subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We we even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. Uh, If you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers, so we would really appreciate it. But Dad, before we get into talking about this game against the Lions upcoming tomorrow, let's go over some notes and some news because... It's not all good in Titletown it's right been now. A busy, busy wire for the for the Packers. Yes, um, there these, have been, these last few days. Yes, and what my dad is talking about is there have been quite a few injuries for the Packers so far through these past few days. Uh, the biggest news of which is Luke Musgrave. Uh, Matt Lafleur said uh, had to be hospitalized after the game on Sunday. Uh, it turns out, according to reporting by Ryan Wood, that he has a lacerated kidney, which who knows how long that's going to take? He has been placed on IR now, so he's going to have to miss at least four weeks. Might end up being longer. But, you know, shout out to him for the toughness shown to play through that game. But, you know, maybe he but should not. Yikes. Yeah, maybe maybe should he should listen to your played. body a little bit more. Yeah, and maybe just like, I don't know, keep a keep a closer eye on, on players as they seem to be taking bigger hits. I'm not sure. I I. Who knows, but it sounds like he like felt okay to play during the game, and then the next day went to training staff and was like, I i don't feel great. And so then, yeah, lacerated kidney, not great, on IR. Um, beyond that, Emmanuel Wilson was also placed on IR with that shoulder dislocation that he had. He's going to miss at least four games. Uh, to fill some of those spots, uh, wide receiver Bo Melton and running back James Robinson both signed to the 53 off the practice squad, and Patrick Taylor was brought back from the Patriots Patriots practice squad and signed to the 53 as well. So Did you see some of the reporting on how that went down where his agent was trying to call him but he wasn't didn't have his phone on him or something so then he called I think his wife next to him said, "Hey." And she was like, "Hey, we're going back to Green Bay." He's like, he, "Yeah, he, he was, was cuz like, the Patriots during, during during halftime 
of the Packers of the game. Packers he was game. already he was getting the, a call. Well, the Patriots were on by, so he was just home watching the game, and he got a call at half, and they were like, yeah, we're we're going to need some running backs for this short week coming up. But, you know, shout out to the Packers front office, working the lines uh, every single time. And then um, safeties, Benny Sapp and fullback Henry Pearson were elevated for this game specifically. Um, just, you know, have some more bodies in that tight end room as well as uh, in the back end and just for, I think, special teams purposes as well. What with them cutting Dahl and Levitt after the last game. Um, Dad, that is kind of more of a long-term injury report, but let's transition into the specific injury report for this game. Because it is not just those players that were put on IR that are going to be missing this game. The Packers are going to be without several other players in this one. Aaron Jones is going to be out in this one. He has a sprained MCL officially. He has had this before. Uh, I think three actual three different sprained MCLs in his career. Um, it's not expected that he is going to be out for the year. He has not been placed on IR, so hopefully that means they'll have him back within three to four games. Um, but just something to keep an eye on because the Packers running back room is very thin, hence why they brought back James Robinson and Patrick Taylor. Yeah, him not going on IR for the, that knee injury is pretty shocking. Yeah, and you know, that is at least a silver lining there, for sure. Uh, beyond that, um, Darnell Savage was designated to return, but he is going to be out for this game. They have not officially activated him yet. Dontavian Wicks is going to be questionable in this one uh, with that concussion, in, uh, concussion and knee injury uh, combination there. He didn't participate in Monday or Tuesday. That was uh, practice estimations, but he was technically a limited participant on Wednesday. I thought there was no way he was going to be able to clear concussion protocol in time, and he probably still won't be able to, but it seems like it's at least on the table now, which is some good news. It's surprising. I don't, because there are very specific guidelines to how you go through these different steps, and there are a number of different ones to do if he actually had a concussion. And I think it, you know, so there's a a certain number of days it takes yeah, I'd be, I, I, I'd be surprised if he's if he actually has a concussion, if he has any chance of playing. Yeah, I'd be very surprised as well. One I forgot to mention, actually, Josiah DeGuara is doubtful for this one, hence why they elevated uh, Henry Pearson to kind of take some of those snaps, I would imagine. Beyond that, Jair Alexander is questionable with a shoulder injury. He was limited or estimated as limited Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Devondre Campbell was limited uh, with a neck injury. Uh, DNP Monday, Tuesday estimated, well, but a full participant Wednesday uh, estimated. Right. So um, questionable with being a full participant sounds like there's a decent chance he plays. Yeah. So there possibly at least some good news there. AJ Dillon uh, is questionable as well, limited each day. Uh, although Tom Silverstein reported that it sounded like he expected to play tomorrow. So I've seen a few different tweets that he's expected to play tomorrow. We'll see. We 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 had a false um, alarm of that last week about Jair playing before yes, game time. Exactly. So sometimes things change at the last minute. He probably. Probably went out to like you know, work out in the pregame, and then was like, oh, oh, nope, you're not going. We'll see. So we'll see. With hopefully, I have Dylan. Yeah, um, hopefully, because if not, they're going to be really behind the eight ball at that running back position. Uh, and that was Dylan with a groin injury. Rudy Ford with a biceps injury is questionable, limited each day this week. And then that does it for the Packers side of the injury report. A lot of names also on there in terms of just having like bumps and bruises, but not officially listed on the injury report. We've retweeted that out on our Twitter. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer if you want to go look at it in its entirety. Uh, beyond that, for the Lions, they just have one player on the injury report, and that is Jonah Jackson, their starting left guard uh, with a wrist injury, is going to be out. Um, Dad, my reaction to this injury report is, you know, running back and tight end room have been completely decimated. Uh, and then, you know, 
beyond that, it could have been worse, I guess. But those two rooms in particular are in a really bad shape. And then not having Wicks is tough, especially as he's started to gain steam. Uh, Jaden Reed, it is nice to see, is not going to be listed on the injury report after they were kind of right. talking yesterday that with that chest injury, he might end up being more of a... That was a little bit weird, too. It's like, yeah, he seemed fine during the game. But then later, he was like, oh, what's going on here? Um, yeah. But neither Reed nor Watson have a designation um, going to the game. So we could have been... It's like, what point? We might have been down the two of them as well. Yeah, I mean... And then, they, the and then they elevated... Uh, it's Bo Melton season. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, it's really bad on the injury report. And actually, I was like, I was kind of expecting it to be even worse, given like what we saw the injury report look like on Monday and Tuesday. And I was like, there's 15 names on here. Like, are we going to have 10 guys missing from this game? Uh, but yeah, so those are all the players that are listed with injuries in this one. Dad, should we get to the meat of our game preview? Anything else you wanted to say about the injury report? You know, I think it was, it's we have used a lot of time because it was it is necessary for this injury report. But let's let's move on. Okay, to so, what we hope will be hap, ha, happier topics. Hopefully, happier topics. Hopefully, more optimistic topics. But Dad, this is going to be a tough one, and Vegas does not have a lot of hope or optimism going our way either. Uh, this game is in Detroit with a noon Central time for those of you hoping to check uh, into it at home or during the holidays if you have a second to sneak away. Uh, it is indoors, so weather is not a factor. The Lions are favored by 7.5 with an over-under of 46.5 on FanDuel for an implied score of 27 to 19.5. So that's tough, uh, probably in part due to the injury report for the Packers, probably otherwise in part for the fact that the Lions blew us out last time and that the Lions are 8-2 and two, and in first place in the NFC North, second seed in the NFC, although they did just barely squeak past the Bears last weekend. But hey, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss any day of the week. Uh, traditionally, they are sixth best in points per game on offense at 27.2 and second best in yards per game on offense. These stats are per FTN Fantasy. Uh, they are 22nd, though, in points per game allowed, but ninth best in yards per game allowed on defense. So they are allowing, doing pretty well in terms of not allowing very many yards, but they are allowing quite a few points on defense. Uh, sixth best on offense in terms of points per drive. For reference, Green Bay is 19th in that stat. Fourth best in yards per drive. Those are both offensive stats, that is, and Green Bay is 14th. Uh, they are 23rd, though, best in points per drive allowed on defense uh, and 19th in yards per drive allowed on defense. And so overall, they are 9th in net points per drive. Uh, we like to use this stat because, you know, football is a bit of a turn-based game in terms of one team gets the ball, next team gets the ball, et cetera, et cetera, and you usually end up with an even amount throughout the game. Uh, for reference, Green Bay is 15th in net points per drive. So that is one offensive drive and one defensive drive. How many points do you net per those pairings? Um, by DVOA, which takes into account opponent, this is also per FTN Fantasy, uh, the Lions are 10th in defense, uh, 12th against the pass, and 8th against the run. And the Lions are 5th in offense, uh, 7th in passing, and 4th in rushing. A very well-balanced team uh, that seemingly pretty good at everything. I know we all remember from the last time that we played against them. They kind of carved us up every which way they could. And then they are 14th in special teams. Green Bay, by the way, for those of you keeping track at home, has fallen all the way to 31st. So not and, great. You know, if if you actually took a like drew a graph of the their their uh, movement in the rankings, uh, special teams, they'll be uh, I don't know what league they'd be in in a couple of weeks at that the rate they're they're dropping. There's only one more spot to fall. Is is all I'm going to say. There's only one more spot for <laughs> them to sure? go down. As, thanks, thanks. Thankfully, there's no relegation. Yeah. For special teams. I mean, they would have been long relegated years ago if there was. So thankfully there is not. Although not thankfully for the the viewers at home who have to watch the Packers play special teams. 
But Dad, anything else in general, or should we move on to your favorite section where we each have to say something nice about the opponent? I'm going to throw it to you. You can either say something general and then say something nice, or you can just get it over with. Which which two are you going for? <laughs> so I decided to look at the Alliance offense. And their, their run game is really good. Um, their offense leads their offensive line leads the league in adjusted line yards um, per DVOA at FTN Fantasy, and they are second in run blocking grade as a unit by PFF. And could so, you remind could you remind the listeners adjusted line yards is? So that's the amount of the run that the offensive line is responsible for. Um, I think it's up to like four yards or something. So the the first part of the run basically they give that credit to the offensive line and then the yards downfield are given more to the running back basically if they like you you get through the hole and put through the first level of the defense that's really on the offensive line and not the running back so those and then pff is kind of an evaluation of the performances of the individual grades of all the individual players at each play and then dvoa is adjusted for strength of opponent as well yeah, their um, running game is vicious. They've got a real two-headed attack. I mean, we saw just last time that these two teams played, uh, David Montgomery completely took the Packers to school in that game, rushing for 121 yards on 32 carries. Not a whole lot of efficiency, but three touchdowns along with that. He, The efficiency doesn't look great. It's only 3.8 yards per carry. But if you watch that game, you're like, man, this guy's doing whatever he wants out there. And yeah, their running game is scary. They have started incorporating Jameer Gibbs even more in this offense. Uh, yeah. It's it's tough. It's going to be tough to stop. And just looking at some of those basic numbers, among running backs with at least 40 carries, Gibbs is fourth in the league right now in 5.2 yards per carry. And Montgomery said he wasn't very efficient against us in terms of yards per carries, but over the season, he's eighth at 4.9 yards per carry. And they are also ninth in eleven. In 11th, in yards after contact per attempt. That's from uh, PFF. Um, And looking at some of the uh, opponent-adjusted metrics, Gibbs and Montgomery, in sort of a counting stat, are 9th and 10th in defense-adjusted yards above replacement. Um, That's at FTN Fantasy for running back rushing. And 6th and 16th in DVOA, which is more of an efficiency metric on a play-by-play basis among running backs with at least 30 carries. So... Their offensive line has been really good at run blocking, blasting people off the the line, and the running backs have been really good at getting yards after contact as well. And yeah. and so none of and that sounds good. Not a, and that's not a good matchup for us. They're essentially very good at the thing that we are not very good at. Uh, we've all seen the Packers' run defense struggle recently. Uh, they did not do very well against the Steelers two weeks ago. They did a little bit better against the the Chargers last week, but we all know it's kind of a ticking time bomb with this run defense that, you know, so the, the thing is they could string together four or five good performances in a row and so, and they do, but I'll never be surprised when the one game comes around where it's like the other team just decides to thoroughly commit to the run and will just run and run and run and run and, I feel like the only times that and you they know, can really... I knew it was an illusion. Just that one day, they would just yeah kick me right just, in the ass. <laughs> yep, exactly. Which is when Harry met Sally, for those of you keeping track of references at home. Uh, but, Ted, the positive that I had in terms of playing nice with the Lions and saying something nice about them is their offensive line is very good. And these stats are per PFF. You already mentioned how well they graded out adjusted line yards in terms of run blocking. Uh, 
The run blocking stat that I went with is just pure yards before contact per attempt on running back carries specifically. Uh, As a team, they have the 10th highest yards before contact. I just kind of was inferring, you know, if a player is getting a good amount of yards before they're touched, offensive line has to be doing something right. Uh, They have allowed the second fewest sacks in the league with just seven. Uh, These are, you know, specifically allowed sacks. So sacks attributable to individual offensive linemen. So not necessarily sacks from blitzing corners, et cetera, et cetera. These are just sacks that are attributable to the offensive line. This is per PFF. Uh, So that might be where some discrepancy is in total sacks taken by Goff on the year. Um, And then as a team, they have allowed the 10th lowest pressure rate. And so that's number of pressures divided by total number of pass, uh, pass blocking snaps. So very strong team pass blocking, very strong team run blocking, really good offensive line. Like we said earlier, they're going to be missing their starting left guard, Jonah Jackson in this one, but it's still tough, you know, with Ragnow and Sewell and it's, it's just a very good unit. It's a very good unit. And they, they maul a lot of teams. Probably the best, probably the best in the, maybe the best in the league this year. I'd still take the Eagles, but certainly in the conversation for the best unit in the league, dad, we were finally through it. We made it through the section that you were, I know you were just gritting your teeth through, but dad, let's go to the, the problem next was section. there are too many. <laughs> the lines are good. There's a lot of things you could have talked about in this. Yes. They're a very good team. We saw just last time how badly they beat down the Packers. I mean, this game was 34 to 20. The last one in week four on uh, that Thursday night game. It was not that close. It was and 27. It, to that th- close. it was 27 to three at halftime for the, like that was, that was the game. It was, it was already straight over up at that point. Beat down. I mean, need I remind people that at one point it was like 180 yards to 12 or something like that. In like at one point before the last drive of the or first wasn't half. wasn't it like they had a whole bunch of we were still negative or something like that? It was At bad. one point, I can't remember what it was. It, it was, I was being hyperbolic, but I might have been even underselling it. Uh, but it was that, like FBS national championship contender versus an early season D3 school. Kind yes, of level I mean, of beat down in the first in the first half. I mean, I can read off the Packers the Packers first drives if you'd like. We don't have this in our planning document, but you know, I feel like I might as well read them off. First drive of the game, Packers four plays, zero yards, field goal because they got that interception. Then three plays, negative eleven yards, punt. Then three plays, seven yards, punt. Then one play, zero yards, interception. Then three plays, three yards, punt. Then five plays, sixteen yards, punt. And then four plays, seventeen yards, end of half. So, so we didn't get into positive yardage until drive five. Uh, I believe with that negative 11 yards, it would have been one, two, three, four. Yeah. Drive six. They got to positive yardage. Drive six when we got to positive yardage. Yeah. Drive Yippee. six. They got to positive yardage. <laughs> I was Real. way too optimistic with drive five. Let's, it cannot be worse than that. Right. Right, like I can't imagine we have could possibly have an uh, offensive performance worse than that. And I think the Lions' defense is playing better back then than they are they have been lately. Well, Dad, we're going to get to that in a little bit, but let's go on to our normal, like regularly scheduled programming and get away from this aside that I was this tangent I was leading us <laughs> after down. a little tangent. Now, yeah. oh, now we're going to get back. Now we're going to get back on our regularly scheduled programming. Yes, but now that you've got on your tangent. Where's my tangent? Section, oh yeah, you never get a tangent. Ever, ever. You've never taken a tangent during one of these recordings, ever. But anyway, next section, I'm nervous about blank. Dad, what are you nervous about specifically with the Lions in terms of how they match up with the Packers? You could go right back to the running game. If you oh, wanted yeah, I'm to, going right, you go right I'm, 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 I'm going to be hitting this well again. You know, there's a lot of water in this well. It's not running dry for a while. Their run game against our run D. So our 
the the Packers adjusted line yards on defense are 22nd in the league, going against Detroit's number one offensive line group in adjusted line yards. Just two weeks ago on offense, they completely destroyed the Chargers. Yeah. Um, run they defense. The Chargers all day. Just blew them off the line. And then we played them and, and we struggled to get anything done in offense on the in the run game. By PFF, their run offense is sixth and our run D is 17th. In the interior, Ragnow and um, I forget who, what of their uh, guards. Well, if it's Glasgow, if it's Glasgow, it matters. If it's Jackson, it doesn't because Jackson will not be playing. It's in Glasgow. This one. It's Glasgow. Okay. They're both they're they're both playing really well. Um, have high level run blocking grades in the low eighties or high seventies. While the Packers' interior D line are all barely above average or below average in in uh, run defense. Slayton is the best uh, in run defense PFF grade at sixty one point three. So that's just a tiny sliver above average, and they're. The average depth of tackle for our defensive linemen for the Packers, the best on the team is 30th in the league for D linemen um, with, I think, at least like 20% of the snaps. So our best run defense would basically account as like the third worst team's best. They are 30th out of 32 teams. And our linebackers are not doing too great that, me- that metric either in terms of depth of tackle. Our best is Walker at 31st. And then our next two best are like McDuffie at 58th and Campbell at 77th. Out of out of linebackers, yeah. So we're we're tackling downfield for our D line, and we're tackling downfield more than most teams for our linebackers. Yeah. So I mean, none of those things bode well. I, you know, I didn't have the heart to go through and figure out where our safeties are tackling because if you got to go that far downfield, it doesn't matter anyway. And you know, we we have safeties playing who have not been playing much, so you probably wouldn't really even have a very big sample size for the guys that are out there. Uh. For me, the thing that I was nervous about, you know, I 100% agree about their run offense versus our run defense. It was a big reason they lost the first game was that the Lions could just run at will almost entirely all over the defense. Another reason that they beat us up the first time is what I'm nervous about is their defensive line. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I was tempted to put this one in, too, but I saw you like, oh, you were, you were all over that one. Their defensive line in the last game pantsed the Packers offensive line. And this is with the caveat that Elton Jenkins was not playing in that game. It was, it was Royce Newman instead. Uh, John Runyon turned his ankle on like the second play, the second drive of the game and was like limping and hobbling around out there. Uh, uh, Zach Tom came into the game questionable with a knee injury and clearly didn't look hundred percent. So that's with all those caveats, but my goodness, they dog walked the Packers offensive line for damn near four quarters in that game. In week four against the Lions, the Packers offensive line allowed 22 pressures and five sacks. The Lions in total had 29 pressures. Uh, so that's like, so seven other pressures that are not attributable to the offensive line blitzes and or the quarterback holding it too long, et cetera, et cetera. The Lions in total had eight tackles for loss. PFF had them with five stops in the run game, which is any tackle that uh, constitutes a failure for the offense uh, and held the Packers running backs to just 10 carries for 29 yards and an overall rushing success rate of just 31% per RBSDM. Um, you just got to hope that the Packers being a little healthier up front is helpful. But guys like Aleem McNeil, Aiden Hutchinson, Isaiah Bugs, like were yes. just feasting. McNeil Bugs looked like McNeil Aaron looked Donald. All, looked like all pro against the Packers offensive it, line. In that it first looked game. like they had Chris Jones and Aaron Donald lined up on the interior in that first game. 
And my goodness, they, they just, they couldn't protect Love at all. Do you remember how bad that was? I mean, there's a reason. The, it was not just pure incompetence that the Packers had negative yards through five drives. They could, No. The, the D-line for the Lions looked like the purple people eaters. They looked unstoppable. It looked like the steel curtain reincarnated on the field. They they couldn't be blocked. The Packers could not block them for the entire game. And so that's something that I'm nervous about because they might as well just pack it up if they're going to block like that again this game because they, they had no chance. As soon as the D-line for the Lions asserted their dominance on those first few drives, I was like, it's going to be a long, long freaking day because if you can't block a team up front, what are yeah. you going to do? There's nothing you can do. I would think I was going to bring it up is because under the floor, the Packers, if they can't run the ball, the whole offense shuts down. I if their run defense, been, run offense just gets shut down, then they I fall. Think they usually they have often been, fall apart. I think they have been better at that this year, though, than previous. Maybe this is the best they've been, but they, there's a like a four year history of them just collapsing. Yeah, that's when, true. When the run when the run offense doesn't work, but that game was not about the run offense not working. No, they couldn't the, block in any phase. Any nope, phase they could, at all. They, they couldn't couldn't move them uh, in the run game and couldn't slow them down in the pass blocking. C- couldn't slow them down to save twenty nine pressures from the Lions. For reference, the Packers when they were destroying the Bears had thirty six. So not like just barely a tear down from that was how the Lions embarrassed the Packers offensive line in that game, and that is something that I am certainly nervous about in this one. Dad, anything to add on there? Or do you want to go into maybe some more optimistic viewpoints and talk about some exploitable weaknesses of the Lions? Um, you, you got any more of that hopium? I got some copium. I got some hope. <laughs> got a little bit. Dad, I think there are some exploitable weaknesses for the Lions in this one, and I'll lead us off. Recently, their defense has been struggling. So they had their bye week three weeks ago. They played two games since then. In those two games, they have allowed 38 points to the Chargers and 26 points to the Bears. Over those two weeks, and I know it's a small sample size, I'm just going from when their bye was. If you go two weeks prior to that, they had given up 38 points to the Ravens, and they had given up, I believe, 16 points to the Raiders, which, you know, not a lot, but a good amount for the Raiders. Um, But over the two games, that's the game against the Chargers and the game against the Bears, so a good offense and a pretty mediocre offense, to be honest. They have ranked 30th in EPA per play, 29th in success rate, 31st in dropback EPA, per play 32nd in dropback success rate and then 11th in rush epa per play and 10th in rushing success rate so and those are all year, defensive numbers right yes those are all defensive numbers and those are all per rbsdm uh if you remember earlier in the year we talked about how you know the lions have a very elite run defense and like a semi-questionable pass defense over the past two weeks that has moved to a they have a decent run defense and maybe the worst pass defense in the league and i know it is only a two-week sample size post by but there is at least something there that the Packers might be able to pick on a little bit. Don't you think, Dad? Yeah, with, with, any, with any luck that this is a, a trend that will continue for one more week. I only need it to continue for one more week, and I'll be happy. Yes, only they, they can go back to being a good defense after this, but you know, just for one week, let us sling it around the yard a little bit. Why not? Let's entertain the people. Let's give them a nice high score in <laughs> Thanksgiving football game. Why not? Uh, but, Dad, where do you think that the Lions are maybe a little vulnerable in this one? So um, coverage is the worst part of their defense by PFF, the 24th in the league, as opposed to, you know, their, their pass rush or their, ru- their run defense. The coverage is, is the weakest part. 
Their top three cornerbacks in terms of snaps have passer grades when targeted of 104.2. That's Sutton, 90.9 for Jacobs and 113.2 for, for Branch. So all pretty good passer ratings when targeted for all three of them. Their top two safeties in terms of snaps have passer grades and targeted of 52.9. So there's your outlier, Kirby Joseph. We are familiar with him. Isn't he the um, one that uh, Rogers loves throwing interceptions to, if I remember he's, correctly? He's in, he must be like have the the optic prism body armor of the Predator when he, that, as far as Rogers is concerned when he's throwing, throwing the ball downfield because he must yep. not see him at all. And then, uh, and then Walker, no safety, 109.8. So five. Yeah. It's not even five main defensive backs have really bad. Um, and that was for the ratings on target. And that was for the season. That's the whole season. That's not even yeah. just like and the so last couple of weeks. It's not just one week link back there is, I guess, what you're getting at. There, You can kind of get right. targets to a lot of different pieces of us. If they can keep Love clean, there there are players this that is they the can thing. target. You need to, he, Love needs to be upright long enough to target one of those defensive backs. Yes. So on the season, Sutton only has two pass breakups and has given up three touchdowns and no interceptions. Jacobs is a little bit more up and down. He has three interceptions. And three pass breakouts, but it's also given up five TDs. Um, so there are some opportunities against their secondary if you can hold up the pass protection long enough to to get the ball down downfield to the receivers. Yeah, and I'm interested in this one. Like, I'll be watching Watson closely. Like, is this the game that he's finally able to beat like the other team deep? We'll see. Because I think there are opportunities there against this oh, defense. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on in this section, Dad? Or do you want to move on to some things that we hope the Packers do in this one? Yeah, so we can move on to that. Because what I what I uh, hope they'll do is kind of tied into, you okay, know, and continue some of these weaknesses. So what I'd like to do is to a- attack, actually, if they have time, deep middle and deep right of the field. These are the areas where Detroit's coverage is weakest by DVOA. They are 21st in the league in defending the deep right in particular. That's the weakest. And 17th in the middle. So though maybe they'll have to use some quick hitters. They don't have speed at corner. Their three starting cornerbacks have 40 times of 4.52, 4.53, and 4.58. So there should and, be opportunities for guys like Reed and Watson is what you're saying. Right. In, in particular, I'm looking for chances to get Watson Reed the ball in space to run or run away from coverage. Um, and plus in the last three weeks, Love is sixth in the league in um, completion percentage over expected um, plus EPA per play, um, according to rbsdm.com. So he's been passing the ball better. And I think we have a speed advantage on the outside and in the slot. Yeah. The big thing is, you know, he's going to need to hit the deep balls that are there. Like, even in the last game when he played very well, he still missed Musgrave up that sideline where that man, that oh, would have put that the game away. that was like a, what, a 60-yard touchdown opportunity? Yeah. And so he's, he's, there's room for him to get better there is all I'm saying. Uh, for me, what I'm hoping the Packers do, well, this is less what I'm hoping the Packers do and just they need to get pressure on Jared Goff is the big thing. Um, according to PFF, his rating without pressure is 113.5 and his rating under pressure is 54.7. That's quarterback rating, that is. Um, the difference that that difference between pressured and clean pocket QBR is the 38th, like is 38th in the league. 
So below the number of starting quarterbacks in the league, in other words. So he has one of the biggest gaps in terms of he's playing really well when he's kept clean and he's playing very poorly when he's not. One of the biggest disparities of any quarterback in the league is what that number is saying. And I know in week four, we talked about how it can be difficult to blitz him. Uh, Colton, uh, Colton Pouncey of The Athletic did an analysis on this of 20, in 2022, where in 2022, uh, he was the fifth most blitzed quarterback in the league, uh, but had the fourth highest EPA per dropback on blitzes. However, this year, teams are having markedly more success blitzing him. Uh, he is 20th in QBR when blitzed this year amongst quarterbacks. Uh, and that rating drop from unpressured to blitz, so not unpressured to pressure, but unpressured to blitz specifically, is third lowest or third highest gap in the league. So third worst um, ahead of only Will Levis and Tommy DeVito. So not great company to be in. So blitzing this year seems to be working quite a bit more than it had previously. So I know we talked about in week four, you know, you have to pressure him with four. This year, it seems like whether it's changes in their offensive personnel, changes in their offensive system, just changes in how Goff is playing, they might be able to feel a little bit more comfortable sending some extra guys. And given the fact that whatever they were trying on defense last time didn't seem to work very well, couldn't hurt to try some different things. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, well, I think we almost like, can we force them to pass? That's going to be the other question. It doesn't matter if we're going to be able to pressure them really effectively if we never get the opportunity because they're just running it down our throats all the time. And that's part of the big thing is they need to start this game faster than they did last game because the Lions are a team that it's hard to fall behind on the Lions. Like in ter- not not in terms of it's difficult to do. <laughs> I, think, it I, I think it's something the Packers could achieve. Yes, I think they showed it last game. Could find a way to fall behind on the Lions. No, it, they're a difficult team to fall behind and come back on because they're just so adept at holding the ball. And we saw that last time. Like, the Packers barely touched the ball. I mean, often, like, they had drives. It's just they just didn't do anything with the ball. And then the Lions would hold it for, like, 10 minutes. But, no, the, the Packers need to, to, need to find a way to pressure Goff. And the only way they're going to find a way to pressure Goff is if they make the Lions pass. And the only way they're going to do that is by not just punting, like, eight straight possessions to start the game again. Or punt if they're lucky, I guess, <laughs> was how it felt in the last game. I suppose they right. got a punt off. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, the, I mean, they had, what, four punts, interception, and a, a field goal after gaining zero yards in the last game? Yeah, so it couldn't be worse to start, right? But anyway, Dad, those are the things that we kind of hope that the Packers do. Do you want to transition to our kind of my guys almost? This is our don't take your eye off that guy. These are players that we either think will have a good game or that their performance will swing the game one way or another. So it's like they need to play well for the Packers to win, or if they play poorly, the Packers are going to be in deep trouble. Dad, who did you have for in this one? So I picked Zach Tom. In the last game, he was playing with a knee injury. Um, and the Lions had, as you mentioned, 20, was it 29 pressures, including five sacks? And Tom gave up six of those pressures. Over the six games since that game, he's only given up 13 total pressures. So, you know, barely more than two a game as opposed to six. For the Green Bay offense to have a chance, the O line has to hold up better than last time. And Tom could have any, and he, it's reasonable, actually, to think he's going to have an enormous improvement over the last time just based on his health. Yeah. And for just a reminder, reminder, listeners, he was questionable going into that game with a knee injury in that one. We might have already said it, but I just wanted to retack it on there. Yeah. And and for the season, Love is only pressured at the 36th highest rate in the league. So he's one of the l- least pressured quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. So although they I are, think there's, the Packers are coming off of two games back to back where they've allowed 13 pressures a game, which are both tied for 
third most pressures allowed for the Packers. We talked about this in our Chargers postgame. They gave up 13 pressures to the Steelers and then 13 pressures to the Chargers. Not ideal. Or 14, it might have been, actually, now that I think about it. But either yeah, but- way, the fact that they're coming off of poor, two poor pass-blocking games and going against a team that they had their second-worst yeah. pass-blocking game against... It's not Trend, feeling great. Trending the wrong way is not. It doesn't exactly give you warm, warm especially against a team that just kind of embarrassed you last time up front. Like there's no two ways about it. Um, for me though, Dad, anything else you want to add on Tom? Because I also had an offensive lineman for the Packers that I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, so you're grasping at that same pile of straws. Yeah, I'm looking at Runyon in this one. Uh, he was really, really poor against Detroit last time. Like we said, he kind of hurt his ankle uh, early in the game and played through it. So shout out to him for playing through it, but. Last time he allowed five pressures, a hit, and a sack. Overall this year, he has really struggled. Um, Andy Herman says that he has him as his like lowest-graded lineman or lowest-graded player, I think. Uh, it's just mostly negative, uh, mostly below average grades per PFF, just like one or two games in the yellow or green. Um, not has never been a very good run blocker, but it seems like it's worse than ever this year. Um, is it crazy, Dad, to say he's been their worst offensive lineman this year? I think I can't tell if Myers is playing better or if Runyon is playing so poorly that, that Runyon is now the worst. I, I actually feel not, like Myers, it's, Myers has been playing okay. He has not been playing It's not crazy to say he's having he's been performing the worst of all of their offensive linemen. And he's had his worst run-blocking grade of his career, his second-worst pass-blocking grade of his career besides his rookie year. And I was just wondering about how he's trending since that sort of the injury got during the Lions game. But it's been up and down. He'll have like good performance and a bad, a good, a bad, a good. Hey, he's and a bad. So he's due for a good. He's due for a good is what you're saying. But that, that, where do you, yeah. where do you stand on this? Sean Ryan should start over John Runyon discussion. I want to see it. Cause I, I, I think it's worth exploring to see where, where Ryan is to me. And it like is he, the he's same. been, in, he's been in two drives. And we got a touchdown to both of them. It's true. And they've ran the ball well in both of those drives that he's been in. To me, it's the same logic for starting Walker over Nyman. I think Nyman is better right now, but the argument for Walker is he's under contract next year and Nyman won't be. Runyon is a free agent next year, this offseason. They're probably not going to bring him back with how he's played this year. Ryan is going to be on the roster, or at least going to be under contract. Let's just see what we have with him. I, Unless he is so bad to the point at which like the rest of the offense is getting so derailed that you can't evaluate anyone... I don't see the harm in playing Ryan. And and the two drives that he's played, he hasn't looked bad. So I, I don't see what the harm is in, you know, giving him some run. Um, but, Dad, let's move on to our overtime where we kind of just talk about some things that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. What did you have in this one? Things that kind of just didn't fall into our normal bracketed discussion topics. Go ahead. So just kind of a weirdo stat. The, the Lions haven't won on Thanksgiving since 2016 with an average Ooh. score of so of saying, uh, losing twenty seven to seven, yeah. Well, well, let's let's. I I I I will choose to believe that it's a it's a trend, and of an average score of twenty losing twenty seven to seventeen. So a meaning a meaningless stat that we hope will continue. Why not? But more seriously, what's kind of interesting? The Lions have the third worst red zone scoring defense, uh, only better than Carolina and Chicago at keeping teams out of the end zone. So that's. Success at keeping teams from scoring a touchdown per teamrankings.com. 
And that's, I think, part of what we said, there's a little discrepancy between how many yards they're giving up on defense versus how many points they're giving up on defense because their um, red zone defense has not been so good. Now, unfortunately, Green Bay is 27th in the league in red zone offense, as they've been, I think, falling as the years gone on. And it's funny because the last... they started off like pretty well. and Yeah, and in the last three weeks, they're second to last. Um, I think they're only ahead of, I forget, it's like the Jets or the Giants or somebody in red zone offense. So somebody's getting a get right game in the red zone. We'll see. (laughs) You know, we'll see someone, but for that to happen, the Packers have to get in the red zone. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is, is that was not a problem against the Lions last, or that was not the problem against the Lions last time. Wouldn't even have been a top five. It It was an irrelevant problem. Exactly. Well, the number does not exist for how they did in the red zone. Last. Well, eh, they made it to the red zone maybe once or twice. Eventually. But for, for a while, me, when we were when they were falling behind so badly, that the red zone success was, was not um, foreign relevant. concept. The red, zone, the red zone was a foreign concept for them. Uh, for me, though, Dad, the player that we did not get to discuss that I wanted to talk about is Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, he was almost in my nervous section. He was almost in my say nice things about the Lions section. This guy is averaging 99.8 yards per game. Uh, sixth in the league on almost 11 targets per game. Um, interestingly, uh, the game in week four, uh, the Packers held him to his season low, held him to 56 held, yards. Held. Yeah. The, the held thing him. is, maybe, you know, does it have anything to do with the fact that Lions didn't have to pass at all? Maybe. But it was the season low for him. So at least there's that. Uh, he has had 100 yards in four of his last five games. So bit of a heater right now for him. A uh, bit of a heater on the season right now for him, to be honest. And uh, so those stats are per pro football reference. And then this one is per NFL ELO. These ones are, are that is. Um, he has the sixth highest target share in the league. Uh, he has the eighth highest third down target share in the league. He has the second highest red zone target share in the league. And he is, the, he is seventh in expected points added per game. So super high usage um, is contributing a lot in every game. They use him in every situation. We talked about last week with Keenan Allen's like, oh, they use him a lot on third down, but not very much in the red zone. And then he had two drops in the red zone in that game. Uh, <laughs> not such a not such luck with with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in this one is he situationally all the time, passing game all the time. They hardly throw to anyone else besides him, the running backs in Laporta. Um, he's he's a freak. And I just wanted to make sure we at least acknowledged him before he just burns our entire home down, I guess is, is how I wanted to, wanted to couch that. Um, Dad, anything you wanted to add on Amon Ross St. Brown or anything else you wanted to add in overtime or should we get into the yeah, bottom line? Yeah, it would have been nice to have picked him as that uh, a kind of slightly undersized uh, yeah. sort of receiver. I mean, you heard the, the story that you still heard the story about that draft in his 40 time, right? Have you heard this story? Where I, mean, I know ran, it wasn't good. No, he ran very slowly. So what was the story? The story right. is he ran very slowly, and the Lions front office celebrated it because they were going to pick him no matter what, and they just knew that that would mean he would make it to when they were picking because they were like, we really don't care how fast he runs. And look, they were right because they, he's unstoppable. They were right, and the Packers um, were wrong. We're wrong. We're very wrong. But yes, it, you know, that's how these things go. But Dad, let's move to the bottom line as we wrap this thing up. The Lions win if blank. The, uh, the the Packers offensive line has a repeat of the last game against the Lions. And so then the Green Bay offense just can never get going. Yeah, a very fair. I think if that happens, the Lions are going to win. And they, For, they'll probably win going away. Oh, yeah. I mean, they already did once, so why not twice? For me, I have said the Lions win if the Packers lose the plot again in the first half. 
if the if the Packers go down multiple scores, even two scores in the first half, I think it's you know it's already not looking great uh, because the way the Lions are able to run the ball, because the way the Lions were able to tee off on the Packers when they tried to pass and just drop back last time they played, I just think the Packers can't afford to let this game get more than like ten to fourteen points out of hand, or it's just going to get ugly quickly. Dad, the Packers win if blank. For me, I, I went with that the, the Packers will win if they get more pressures on Goff than Detroit has on Love. I thought you were going to say something ridiculous, like if they get more points than Detroit. End, <laughs> end statement. Yeah. Boom. Cutting analysis, yes. But no, I but, totally uh, agree about the, the pressure. Cause, cause because that means that we're actually holding up and able to move the ball in offense and maybe having an effect on the Lions offense. Yeah, and for me, I just said if Green Bay can protect Love, which kind of a little duplicating yours, but I think just more specifically, teams have had success passing on the Lions recently and have able, been able to get in shootouts with them at the least. If Green Bay can stop that pass rush better than they did last time, I I think we could be in for like another solid game for Love. And if he can have a solid game, I think they can kind of hang with the Lions, maybe. We'll see. It's so tough with all these weapons out for the Packers. Just like... They're three or four yeah. best players on they're, offense. They're are not going to be missing playing. what they're they're the top two tight, tight ends in terms of snaps. I would say and first. I would not say top ten. Deguara has been totally start, phased top, out of top, the offense. Deguara has been totally his, phased out of the offense. His snap number has been dropping and dropping and dropping. This is true. Yeah. So they they're missing their number one tight end. Their number probably four receiver. If Wicks, uh, assuming Wicks doesn't play, they're missing their number one running back and their number three running back. It's it's just a little messy, and and I think you know not having Musgrave as that thread in the middle, they're going to really need Reed to take over that role. Um, but Dad, score predictions. Let's wrap this thing up. What do you got? So well, I have I have Detroit winning. I'm going twenty seven twenty one. I unfortunately also have Detroit winning. I have it Detroit thirty, Green Bay thirteen. I don't think it's going to be a very fun game. Yikes! To be honest, I think <laughs> I think it's going to be bad again. Just so many injuries for Green Bay. If, if Green Bay was healthier, I would say you know they have a good shot. But I honestly think if you know if, if Green Bay was healthier in this game, that I I would pick Green Bay to maybe win by like a couple. But just the lack of weapons, the way that Detroit beat them last time, the fact that even the players that they have playing aren't healthy. Are like they're playing hurt. Like half the roster is hurt or playing hurt. I just think it's going to be too much to too much to handle for the Packers in this one. Unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, but but the, I think it's the thing tough. that gives me a little bit of hope is that the Bears almost beat him last week. That's the problem, though. They got their wake up call last week. Then and so they're not going to be they're not going to come into this game like 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 toned down. They're going to be like, wow, we we got to step up our game. We almost just lost to the Bears. Like that was the wake up call. The Bears woke him up just to play against us. Thankfully. Thank you. Just Thank you, Chicago. Just time. Oh, that uh, could be. But yeah, so I just think, you know, Lions are a better team than the Packers right now. But fingers crossed the Packers can pull it out. We'll see. Like we said earlier, spread is seven and a half for the Lions. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, pieces of interesting stats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anything Title Town, you can find us there. Subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. Dad. The thing is, if the Packers win this game, five and six, they're like right there at the edge of the playoffs. And oh, they would have well, had I was a, looking, a good win on their resume is the is like the other part. So I was just look looking now. at this actually before we started is that right now they're like at the 10th best odds of making the playoffs in the NFC. 
at like twenty three percent chance of making it to the into the playoffs. Number one, how are they at twenty three percent? Number two, how is twenty three percent tenth highest? <laughs> how are there nine teams with a better than twenty percent? That doesn't sound right to me. That seems like some some funky math is going on right now. No, there. that was no because there are a lot of teams with like ninety ninety some percent. I but t- in the NFC, there's nine teams with better than a twenty three percent chance of making the playoffs. That feels really high because that means the yeah, Rams, a, both the Rams a, a are New York there. Times article and an ESPN article. Interesting. I would not have put it at that high. That that sounds that sounds suspicious to me. But anyway, thank you so much, listeners, for listening. Like we said, if the Packers win this one, could be very good. It's going to be a very tough matchup, though. Hopefully, they can uh, clean it up. Oh, we said twelve Central earlier. It is actually eleven thirty Central, so nine thirty West Coast earliest game on the slate for thanksgiving so just keep your eyes peeled for that one and thank you again for yes listening. like they got that that kickoff just a little bit earlier so you can get that game in before the feasting starts it, they they're just they're doing it for the people that they're doing it for at the least people. at least in the west coast yes exactly but anyway thank you again so much for listening and until next time go pack go go pack go <laughs>